All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of College Football Sunday. This episode, we'll be talking about the ACC Coastal Division. We'll do our preview show on that. I'm Steve. With me always is Taz. Hey, what's up, people? Hey, how y'all doing today? All right, happy Sunday, everybody. We're going to talk about the Coastal Division over here. This right here has been one of the most wide-open divisions any sport in college, not just football, but just this one. They've had seven different winners from 2013 to 2019. So even if you played in the division, you eventually went to the ACC championship pre-COVID. So, Tez, what do you think about that with it being such a wide-open division? Well, to start out, I remember this thing was uh, kind of kind of first coming together when they were bringing in Miami and Florida State. They were saying, oh, man, Miami and Florida State pretty much just going to dominate this. It ain't fair. You know, remember to bringing in the Big East teams. Oh, yeah, the ACC. yeah. They thought that was a set. Miami yeah, and Florida like, State, okay, different divisions gonna be Florida every State, year. Miami. But, you know, over time, you know, coaches, coaches got to retire. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, you know what I'm saying? Bobby's out there. Miami's had their turnover issues and things like that. But now, you know, college football's totally changed now. To get back to the division part of it, I, I kind of like divisions. But at the same time, I understand I'm not really a traditional. It, it's okay to change up a little bit, you know. I mean, as long as they don't take away from the game too much, it's, it's going to be changed regardless whether we want it or not. New heads are always going to be coming in, new ideas. So, But uh, to get back to the division thing, I think I, I kind of like the division because sometimes things not play out the way you want them to, meaning over time, everybody may not play everybody. It depends on who's in control of the schedule. Oh, yeah, exactly. Sometimes it turns into like a conference. Well, I, I can't say the Big 12 because they do play everybody because the Big 12 has right. 10 teams, and that's confusing. It's going to all get out. But, yeah, whenever you separate the no divisions, like you just said, yeah. it's more about who did you not play more than who did you play. Right, right. So, I mean, to get in there, because who knows? I mean, because it's going to change over time. There's going to be some years that, you know, uh, teams in the coast is going to be strong and teams in Atlanta may not be strong. There's going to be time that Atlanta's going to be stronger and then the coast is that. So, I think at least having the vision, you'll at least be playing set teams on that side, or it, it doesn't have to be a full seven or eight team division. I mean, you still break it up, mm. you know, but you want some type of uh, consistency uh, teams playing and an opportunity to play everybody. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes, like I said, divisions work and sometimes divisions don't. I mean, they can be heavy one sided, and we'll talk about this later on down the road about the division in the Big Ten where you have all the heavyweighters in one division, which is so crazy because they shuffled it around right. because the same thing with the Miami-Florida State thing here. Mm -hmm. They thought it would be Ohio State-Michigan in the Big Ten, and then it all didn't play out, and then now they all super loaded. From what I read is that Clemson isn't for it. Clemson said, nope, I don't want no division. We're going to keep our divisions. We're going to keep it going. But the other teams are like, well – why don't you give us a chance? Because maybe a team in the Atlantic thinks that, hey, we can be the second best team. We just happened to lose to Clemson one time, maybe at Clemson in the middle of the year on an early week. Because sometimes they'll play a Thursday night game or a noon game. Right. Everybody hates the dreaded noon right. games. <laughs> right. right. They do. So, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I'm not one way or the other on it. I know – the Pac-12 said that we're getting rid of divisions. Mm -hmm. We're going to play it straight up. We want our top two teams out there. And to me, that kind of works sometimes. But also, like you were saying, if you're in the Coastal Division, you're like, man, we've had seven different winners in seven different years. Right. <laughs> right. We have. Yeah. So I mean, just to kind of, before we end it, you, you, you think about it. As far as Clemson, I mean, they've been successful having divisions. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, even with a down year last year. Oh, yeah, of course. It came close to winning. Mm -hmm. So it's been working for them. So I, I kind of understand them saying, oh, we don't want to change, you know, over time. But I think also division-wise, if you if you start looking into it, you look at uh, Blue Blood teams, teams over the years has always been good. Probably teams that were boosters are really involved, mm -hmm. fan bases involved. I mean, um, they're serious about their football. And, you oh, know, yeah. and meaning uh, we just don't want mediocre football. So <laughs> traditionally, those teams always, even if they're down, 
they tend at some point you know they're coming back. Oh yeah. Let me throw a curveball out here because this just popped in my head. Did the ACC miss its opportunity to expand? I know they're locked in a horrible TV deal, and the more teams they add, it's just going to cut more money from each program, which we talked about the TV deal in the last episode. But did they really maybe miss an opportunity to expand? Yeah, they missed an opportunity, but I, I think I don't know. Like I said, I'm not in their heads over there. And the and the, the commission hit. So I don't, I don't know what their process was over the year. Were they like kind of lackadaisical, laid back? But the issue is everybody else that you're seeing now that's taking the forefront is being innovative, mm-hmm. and they're looking toward the future. Oh yeah, of course. You see what I'm saying? So so what happened was even with the the SEC expansion. You didn't know it happening until it happened, <laughs> and the same with like the Big Twelve. Yeah, you you, know? you didn't know you didn't know until until it happened. It happened. Now, of course, you know at that time the Big Twelve had to make a deal because two of the big dogs got pulled. Oh yeah, so we I mean, gotta do lost, something or crash. Yeah, I mean you lost your two blue bloods right off the top. Yeah, yeah. So you knew they were gonna make some type of change, you know, because they're trying to stay intact. Yeah, which we'll discuss on the Big 12 preview show because that kind of upset me some ways, but we'll get to that on a different level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the same sense, I mean, maybe, I know the ACC's locked in a deal with ESPN, and ESPN, they're attached to Disney, and they got big-time lawyers, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get out of any Iron Lad contract that they might be in. But maybe if they did say, hey, you know what? We're going to pick up this team from here and this team from there. And we'll have a realignment show down the road where we can talk about, you know, the different teams and everything that they can pick up. But maybe if they pick up some different teams, they can say, hey, ESPN, we picked up media markets here. We picked up media markets there. Everybody else is getting paid. Y'all are getting us on the cheap. Let's do something here yeah, to yeah. help our conference out. I would think over the years, because maybe maybe they got comfortable. Maybe they were fine with with the amount of teams that they had in the conference. Maybe they're well, okay. We're okay with this. Yeah, and I, I don't think commissioner have forward thinking. I don't because yeah. you never, no matter what you do in any career mm-hmm. or even especially college football or I'll say college athletics because it affects every sport. Never lock yourself into a long-term deal. Correct. Not in this sport. No. In any sport, really. No. Or right. any sport. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's lock yourself the short term. I mean, you look at it with, with um, schools and coaches. Mm-hmm. It's rare that you start up with a long-term deal. You probably get four, maybe five years, but there's options. Yeah. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, let's sign this deal. Because I want to say, and don't quote me, that I believe their deal runs till 2036. They picked up a deal probably just what? three, four years ago, maybe. So you're talking about almost a 20-year deal with the change in landscape Mm -hmm. and college athletics Mm -hmm. as a whole. Like I said, not just football or whatever, because there's a lot of schools in this conference that are more basketball-heavy than they are football-heavy. So if you're cutting corners and trimming the fat, you're going to put more money into one sport or the other. And I know there's other sports outside of football, basketball, but the two breadwinners is football and basketball. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think committing to a long-term deal really hurt them. So maybe if they expand it, they could come back to the table and say, hold on now, we made this deal with these teams, but we added these teams. So let's reconsider this deal because the SEC is getting 38, 40 million a year. The Big Ten is going to sign a billion dollar a year contract. Mm-hmm. Hell, the Big Twelve gets twenty million dollars, and they don't even have a network. But this is the other thing that they face. Okay, let's say if you want to choose a few more teams to add to the conference, mm-hmm. and yet there's some other teams that are, their deals aren't as long, and yet they're bringing in more revenue. Oh yeah, of course. So do you like if for let's say for instance the ACC comes to you. Mm-hmm. Do, most teams aren't going to just jump on it. They'll say, well, let me look at my options first. Oh, yeah, of course. You know? So yeah. that means they'll start exploring the better teams, the ones with the bigger markets, fan bases, things like that. They'll probably start looking around the other conferences and say, hey, this is a deal we got on the table from this conference. Mm-hmm. And present it to this conference and say, hey, if we were to choose your conference, what would our options be? Exactly. So then you may still miss out on the teams that are really going to boost 
your argument saying, hey, I, I need we need a bigger deal now. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, probably why they lost Maryland yeah. to the Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Instead of West Virginia coming over with the Big East ACC merger, mm-hmm. they said, well, we're going to jump ship and go to the Big 12. You know, right. so I mean, maybe that was one of the discussions that maybe they're not putting <clears throat> nothing on the table for them at yeah. this time. Yeah. So with all that being said, let's go on and get started with our team breakdown. And like I said, we break them down how they finished last year. We do. And then at the end of the show, we'll make our predictions on how we think they'll finish this year. Right now, the division winner last year was Pitt. They went 11 and three mm-hmm. They end up winning the conference, but they got some big shoes to replace. Yeah, un- unexpected shoes. Probably the best player. Yeah, on the team. Yeah, their number one receiver, Jordan Addison. Yeah, and then they lost their quarterback, Kenny Pickett, as a first round pick to Pittsburgh, which I guess works out for him because he knows where the locker room's at. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's to be expected. I mean, you're gonna lose players, draft understandably. Um, sometimes the injuries is not expected, but. Injuries do happen. Oh yeah, part you of the game. A, you can lose a guy out, you know, for the um, rest of the year. But mm-hmm. it was the way that they lost Addison. Yeah, I think that really hurt. That him. was, I think, that's a big boost because it, it brought some, 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 some grumbles inside the program. You know, I think I would like to see Pittsburgh play USC in the Holiday Bowl. Hey, we we'll have to check records. And, <laughs> and, and would they? Would they both commit to the game? Possibly, but I, I mean, USC is probably looking farther. Ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, they expect you know, better, but I, I mean, just the first year, him, them taking a step back. I mean, they did get that Kenan Slovis from USC, that quarterback. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he seemed like he's pretty good. That's a storyline. Unfortunately, you know. he don't. I mean, he has his number two receiver to throw to, that Jared Wayne, but he didn't put up this nowhere near the numbers that Jordan Addison did last year. No, no, no. That's a big blow. And that's a, that's something that they're probably thinking about now in the future. It's like, dude, we can lose our best player to someone just to offering them a better situation. Yeah. I mean, anybody's yeah. on the table now. Everybody's on the table. And, I mean, that kid won the Blitnikoff. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, he'll have a new OC, new position coach, new quarterback and all that. But when you're that talented – I mean, you got to deal with that in the NFL. Yeah, but then you got other dudes around you. So it's not just you. Uh, we're just bringing you in and you're just the one guy. Exactly. No, we got guys around you. Mm-hmm. It's going to help it, make it easier for you, too. Yeah, I mean, very few wide receivers have the same quarterback their whole career in the NFL. So you're going to have to learn to adjust if you're going to play at the next level. Because if he, I mean, which he will be drafted, he'll be a first round draft pick, maybe the first or second receiver pick. But. When he goes to the NFL, is he going to say, well, I don't want to go to this team because my quarterback ain't here? Which is so crazy. His reasoning for leaving is the situation, the same situation he walked into. Right. New head coach, Mm -hmm. new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. That was your reason for leaving. Well, but that's the same situation you walked into. I don't know if that's his sole reason for leaving. <laughs> I mean, that's alleged what he said is reason for leaving. But, you know, it was more than that. What do you think, like about 2.5 million reasons? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I've heard stories. Something that was, uh, I don't know, that was reported. Yeah. I and mean, so, could you blame him? Not at all. Not no. at all. I mean, you know, you know that's, that's part of the game. But, like I said, it's, it's taking things to a different level now as far as coaches. Because this, this kid actually went through – spring ball with him so yeah. they're thinking okay he's gonna be here he, oh yeah it ain't like it's not like he hit the portal before spring and didn't go through spring oh yeah he, he went through the full thing with him exactly and we talked about that on our previous episode yeah. where he was there technically he had reported that he was gonna transfer by the may 10th deadline mm-hmm. and the school had two days to put it out there and the school waited two days to put it out there mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i mean like I said, I don't blame him for leaving. You want to leave, that's but I think that's just funny how I mean, imagine if you was a Pitt fan. You're like, okay, the May 10th deadline's over yeah, with. Man. Cool, we got him. He's staying. Yeah, I mean, even the players in the locker room, man, you know. Yeah. They're they're, they're depending on you. I mean, they they're brothers in the locker exactly. room. You know, it's, all of a sudden you just kinda hit the portal and say, Yeah. And then know. May twelfth, the school comes out and says, Oh yeah, he's in the transfer portal. I mean, imagine that as a fan, or I mean, I'm pretty sure the teammates probably knew that he was leaving. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just from a fan perspective, you're like, okay, well, we got to hear something by this day. 
this day doesn't happen, then that's cool, and we're good. Yeah. But then the school has 48 hours to put it out there. Right. And they waited the 48 hours. Right. They did. So I think they kind of messed over their fan base in that sense. But Yeah, and they also probably could have had an opportunity. I don't know if they did or not, but had an opportunity if they'd known probably really prior to that deadline that you were even considering or hitting it. They could have probably gone to some other guys that were in the portal earlier. Oh, yeah, of course. Because if we knew, yeah. you know they knew. Correct, correct. <laughs> and then, like I said, they probably could have gone early and probably gone after some guys that's already committed to other schools, mm-hmm. possibly, and brought them in and then say, you know, kind of lighten the blow a little bit. Yeah, of but course. because it was done so late. Yeah, they did get a transfer receiver from Akron, but I don't think that's exactly the same. <clears throat> no, no. But at, like I said, it's next man up. I mean, Addison, good thing it didn't, but it, it could have been like an injury. Yeah. And then the storyline wouldn't have been that, but he's still lost for the year. Oh, yeah. So next man, no, we got to do what we got to do. So that means those, those those guys that are behind him or, you know, other receivers looking to step up, it's a, it's a time now. Oh, yeah. And, and they'll always have a solid defense. Pat Narduzzi, he's always going to have a great defense. They got their – both their safety re- safeties returning. They have their leading tackler returning. I mean, they're still going to play solid defense, that hard-nosed football like mm-hmm. he's always done. And I think that they'll turn out to be all right this year. All right. So our next team up, we have Miami. Miami, the U. Mario Cristobal. Yeah. Um, Give me eight million reasons why he'll succeed. (laughs) (laughs) Cristobal, one, he's uh, Miami-nated, ex-player, alum, offensive line coach. Yeah. Which is real big. I mean, because you need that in the trenches. Oh, yeah. You know, run block, pass block, help the pass game out. You know, if you can run the ball, you know. Oh, yeah, up, it opens up everything. Yeah, it opens yeah. everything up. So exactly. so having him is a, is, a, is, is a plus because now, although he is the head coach, he's he still is going to assist that offensive line. Oh, yeah. So it's basically like two guys there working with that offensive line, which is Oh, good. yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, got a proven track record. I mean, coach with Nick, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So he knows how to recruit. He knows how to develop. He knows the system. You no, know, yeah, definitely knows the system. That's the main thing. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Yeah, and I think I think he'll do well not only because of all the other stuff people are talking about. He's from Miami, but that doesn't guarantee you success. I mean, Scott Frost went to Nebraska. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I got a big question for you: Can Miami get back to being the U? They can't. Well, that's the thing. Do they have to be like the old you to really get back? Hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying? The you comes with a certain swagger, though. It does, but it, it can, it's can. it been proven it can be done a different way. Well, yeah, of course. You but know what I'm saying? When I think Miami, I think Michael Irvin. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But you like got to think, though. Sean Taylor. You got to even think then, even some of that swag and what was doing and how they played, the game's changed now. Oh, yeah. Blues games. I think I read something about Cristobal got rid of the turnover chain. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but I think I read somewhere that he had gotten rid of and said, no, we're just going to focus on getting better. And that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like if you you just do your fundamentals and basics and the game will come to you. Oh, yeah. But the thing is you don't want to force and get yourself back. Because I I remember, I mean, years ago when Miami uh, played a couple – Couple teams. I remember them playing Georgia Tech was one of them, and I think I want to say on the FBS team or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I recall having a conversation, and they were saying, "Oh man, are you back? Are you back?" I said, "No, you can't say they back yet." Yeah. I said, "Pump your brakes a little bit because wait till they play a balanced team." Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because one is is a team that they just had better talent there. Right. Mm-hmm. Two was Georgia Tech was one dimensional. Yeah. Which they dominated them, you know, but they were one-dimensional. Stop mm-hmm. and run, you win the game. Exactly. I said, check the next game, which is Virginia Tech. That'll mm-hmm. tell you a lot about if they're back or not. Oh, well, yeah. they got blasted by Virginia Tech. Yeah. They, they, it's a balanced team now. So that, that's going to be your judgment as far as to you. Not just you have to watch the games and how they play and who they play to really see. One thing is you don't want those, those guys to get too hyped or two head that says, that, oh, we back. Mm-hmm. Hold on, Pumpy. It's a long season. <laughs> it's a long way to get It's a long, back. long season. Because one now, at the more you film you put on the tape, the more you can get scouted. Mm-hmm. You know, teams are going to come up with game plans against you. 
Oh, versus yeah. the first two games, you really can't really judge things, you know, first mm-hmm. two games. Because, I mean, the first game, of course, well, it does kind of check your preparation because you had a whole offseason to get ready for this team. That other team had a whole offseason to get ready for you. Oh, yeah. But, and yet, still, it's one game. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So, I think I think they can get back uh, for multiple reasons. Another reason is the additions they made on the coaching staff. Yeah. Charlie's strong, head coach experience, of mm-hmm. course. Maybe some now new He's NFL linebackers, tips. isn't he? Yeah, maybe some new NFL tips by going to the league, learning some stuff from some of those guys. Oh yeah, and then that Kevin Steele. Yeah, you know, so yeah, that he, coaching staff is is, is going to be a big upgrade from what they had before. Oh, so what you're saying is they moved past the substitute teacher and the real teacher they came moved back. Past, they moved past that teacher, man. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I I mean, I I I get it why they went that way with Manny, you know, but. If you look into it, he was there in those years that they were getting run on, mm-hmm. and he was the guy in charge of that defense. Oh yeah, but I don't, I don't think Kevin Steele's going to let something like that happen. No, nah, I mean because you really have, you really have two D coordinators. Oh yeah, I mean you have Charlie Strong's there also. Exactly. So I'm quite sure they're bouncing things off of each other yep. as far as the defense wise. Yeah, and then you think about the offensive wise, he'll be dealing with the O line, and he got that Josh Gratis, the Bulls award winner yes. last year at Michigan. Michigan, yeah, calling plays that yeah. took Michigan all the way to a as a playoff team. I mean, I think Cristobal went at it a better way building the staff at Miami than maybe what he did while he was at Oregon. Maybe resources, mm-hmm. opportunities. I mean. I would rather be on South Beach than in the snow. But. Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> but that you know, I mean, there's it, recruiting grounds different also versus Oregon. I mean, kids oh, a lot exactly. of these kids home, mm-hmm. which which would make a difference. You can kind of build, but there again, is evaluations a big part of it. Yep. I mean, that was Howard Snellenberger's biggest thing. I need mm-hmm. to lock down the state of Miami. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, and then like I said, there's, there's more enough kids. You can get them there. Another thing with, with Miami now, not saying it wasn't there all the time, the NIL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, that, that's huge now, you know. And you keep them home now. Oh, yeah. You get a little cash in the pocket mm-hmm. and play at home in front of the the, the, uh, the families. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so. And there's a lot of extracurricular money down in Miami floating around. Yeah. So, I think yeah. they should be all right on that. Yeah, I they think should. Yeah, I think they'll I think they'll be fine. Live that South Life South Beach life. Hey man. Hey, you know, they're it, it throwing around, the weather's good and it's, it ain't the cold, but at the same <laughs> you got you got a huge opportunity because 'cause I've I've watched teams over the years a lot of times. It's gonna be hit and miss on that first year. One is you bring in a whole new concept which you you're citing the whole fan base again, you're citing oh, yeah. the, the team again. So you can hit early on um, you know, maybe ten Wins so they say. Oh well, that might be far fetched for Vine, but it may not. Oh no! I mean, the the schedule is probably pretty pretty favorable. Mm-hmm. They added a lot of transfers to help on defense. Mm-hmm. Hell, he even brought two offensive linemen from Oregon with him. Yeah, and he's got one of the hottest quarterbacks coming back last year. That Tyler Van Dyke. Right, right. So I mean, he's he came on pretty strong late last year. So I mean, depending on how he can do with the offense. They brought in some new old linemen, got some transfers on defense. He's got a great coaching staff. I mean, his coaching staff, you can put head-to-head against anybody in the ACC, and he'll probably have the best coaching staff out of all of them. Yeah. So now, like I said, it's the question is, is the U back to being the U? I think, like I said, or, I, think, I think they're going to start fast and start hot. But the thing is, can they sustain it? That's the whole thing. See, that's my last question. Are they one year away? Yeah, can you can you sustain it? I I don't know because you you don't know you don't know how they're gonna react. Just say this Texas and them game goes like the Alabama game. That mm-hmm. it looked like that game pretty much took a lot of steam out of them. Dude. Oh yeah, they're getting hit early like that, and the way they got hit quick and early. Yeah, yeah. So do do now, but which there again, there's a new coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You know, so do they do they take the the mindset of the coaching staff, or do they just kind of say, hey, here we go again? No, I I really think this coaching staff won't let that happen. All right, now our next team will be Virginia Tech. Got a new coach this year. First year head coach, Brent Pry. He plays safety at Buffalo and has coached defense since 1993. He was James Franklin's D.C. at Vanderbilt and at Penn State. So he's kind of a James Franklin coaching tree branch out there. 
What can we expect from Virginia Tech this year, Taz? Virginia Tech, probably this year, probably similar to previous Virginia Tech teams because he's a D coordinator. Um, mm-hmm. They'll probably play tough defense, kind of previous like Bud Foster. Oh, um, yeah. Bring your pail. Yeah. Hey, that, that's the one that has a lunch pail. Yeah. 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 I yeah. tell you, though, I would love, and we need to travel one of these times and see a night game at Virginia Tech. Yeah. On yeah. TV, that stuff looks crazy. <laughs> they play inner Sandman, and everybody's jumping up and down. And, oh, man, I, I could just we, – we're going to have to get our credentials and get out to a Virginia Tech game at night one time. Yeah, I think in a matter of years that they'll, uh, they'll be pretty solid. Because, I mean, there's a lot of good talent in that area. Oh, yeah, the Virginia uh, area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's where Michael Vick came from. Mm-hmm. Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was a great quarterback in high school. Yeah. He just decided yeah. to play basketball. One of the better guys that ever touched Florida Field was Percy Harvin. Exactly. I mean, Same area? A, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good talent come out of that Virginia area. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, Bud Foster made the best of what he had because a lot of guys, they weren't highly ranked recruits mm-hmm. as far as stars. Oh, yeah. But they played like it. See, and that's the thing, too. Like, Bud Foster, man, he could develop a defense. Yeah. Oh, you got a DB from Virginia Tech at the next level? Oh, you knew he was ready. Yeah. He was. So he, I think this Brent Pry, he'll do a good job. Uh, uh, well, Penn State uh, was ranked, what, number, like, 38 in the country defense-wise. was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, you think about all the schools. Yeah. And then that lockdown that they put on um, Memphis that time in the bowl game. Yeah. They did. It was a high flying coming in. I mean that Mika Parsons, he can he can hide a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> he could. But Virginia or not Virginia Tech, but Penn State has always had a solid defense while he was there. And I mean, he was even on the teams at Vanderbilt that won nine games. And you if you can play defense like that in the SEC and win nine games at Vandy, which we've talked about our favorite team this upcoming year, the Vanderbilt right. Commodores. But I mean, I think he'll do. I think he'll do really well. He'll get the defense on track. All right. So their quarterback Braxton Burmeister had transferred out to San Diego State. They brought in a new quarterback, Grant Wells from Marshall. Marshall always puts out some solid players out there. A little under the radar, but yeah, they're, they're already under the radar. I mean, especially teams that you don't really uh, see too often broadcast on television. Mm-hmm. But you know that program's always solid. Um, so basically, I mean, this uh, Tyler Bowen basically just had the guy plays gets in the system. I mean, who knows? They may come out and may not just sling it 30, 40 times. I mean, that's the copycat lead, but you yeah. may just try to establish a run. That's what a lot of coaches do and play good, solid defense. Mm-hmm. You know, and just, they got a very solid defense coming mm-hmm. back. And they have a new offensive coordinator, Tyler Bowen, who was the tight ends coach under Urban Meyer at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Uh, say what you want about that. Well, <laughs> I mean, who knows? Yeah, just kind of put them in there. Like I say, old coordinator, you have to check to see how he, you know, play calls. But it, it depends what their philosophy is going to be. Yeah, I'm like you said. I mean, with a new quarterback coming in, a solid run game, you mm-hmm. know they're going to play great defense. They right. got a lot coming back on defense already, and now your new head coach is defensive coordinator and defensive-minded. So right. I think we're going to see a lot of three yards in the cloud of dust at Virginia Tech this upcoming year. Yeah, I do. But they should have a pretty solid year. All right, so our next team that we got here, we got Virginia. Brand-new head coach, Tony mm-hmm. Elliott. From the Clemson offensive coordinator. He was there from 2011 to 2021. So I think and he Royals award winner in 2017. Got a three-year starter coming back at quarterback. Top three receivers coming back. Offensive-minded coach coming back. Can we see Virginia put up some points this year? Virginia Bronco recruited well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did very well. He did recruiting. well. I think they probably lost some guys off that uh, O-line. But he recruited well. They Solid defense. Another team that was pretty solid on defense. Always in the thick. But there again, I mean, in your conference or division, I mean, who's who's the lead dog? I mean, you got, you got at least three to four new coaches. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. So those guys are going to try to establish their program. So they're not really there yet. Oh, yeah. You know, um, so you're kind of in the same, you know, positions that, you know, most of the coaches probably in that conference just establishing themselves who's who's able, who's able to get that program up and running a lot quicker. So Elliot now breaks away from Dabo. Who knows? Not saying Dabo was holding him back. 
Yeah. But, you know, there's some things that probably how Clemson wanted to do it a certain way. Maybe he, he can now input some things that, you know, he wanted to do a little different. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a big difference from being the OC to being the head coach. Right. Right. And he's got more on his plate right now. So they've been pretty solid. Like I said, on the Bronco, just kind of an unexpected step down. You know, put him in a situation. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, though, I really wish Virginia played Clemson this year. But unfortunately, they don't match up this year. And I think they'll have the offense great. I mean, defense. I mean, like you said, Bronco, he recruited well. And he was a defensive-minded coach more than anything. He was. So if they can put together some stops, I think, offensively, they're going to do pretty pretty well this year. Yeah, Yeah, I think they've been right there in in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. The they might be in the thick of things. Maybe pull one off on a Saturday that nobody's expecting, and you see the score run across the bottom. You're like, hold on, Virginia beat who? Right. <laughs> the who's? Right. Right. <laughs> All right. So that's Virginia for this year. We'll see what they can do. Our next team, one of my favorite teams, or one of my favorite head coaches, North Carolina, Matt Brown, my man. Your man, your man got, got, got to get it on track. Well, at least he's uh, going to play Florida State this year. Yeah, but he, <laughs> he still got some conference games he's got to play. So, Mac, Mac got to get it on track. Uh, Mac, like I said, North Carolina, you know, you would have to say underachieve. Oh, yeah, of course. I would. Yeah. I would, yeah, football-wise. Yeah, because yeah. they've been they've been, they've been been kind of ranked. I know that two, well, two years ago, like number five. Yeah, there was a the top country. 10, top five team coming into last year. Yeah. And ended up going like six and seven. Yeah. They did. So they have majorly, majorly underachieved, especially with the quarterback they had in Sam Howe. Right. But the problem was they couldn't tackle nobody. They couldn't cover nobody. They had NC State. In the yeah. dead. And I watched that game. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Carolina's got They scored, I want to say, I'm not 100% sure, don't quote me, with like 30, 40-something seconds left. I was like, oh, they got it. Only thing that can really beat them is if North Carolina State gets a chunk play. What they do, the quarterback drop back, they say, oh, I'm just going to sling it. Sling it, hits the guy down the sideline, breaks in, they end up winning the game. That game was back and forth, too many points at the end. And I'm like, just make a tackle. Hey. Uh, Mac Mac saw the game you saw. He saw the year you saw. Yeah. Uh, so he makes a change from that Jay Bateman, mm-hmm. who's not Florida uh, linebacker coach, to Gene Chizik. Uh, granted, Chizik has been out of the game for a few years, but he's been around the game for exactly. A few years, so he had yeah. totally been away from it. And I think Chizik solid, possibly setting himself back up. For a head coaching position? Yeah. I, I think Mac has three, maybe four years left in him. Yeah. He's getting up there in age. Like you say, I think he's setting himself up. I read an article about Gene Chizik. He said, you know, the reason he left the first time when he was at North Carolina under uh, Fedora was he had to travel. He stayed by himself the mm. whole time. His wife and his daughters and his kids stayed and his daughter and son stayed back home, and he was missing their games. Right. He wasn't seeing his wife. They, I mean, it was a lot of ups and downs, and now that all his kids are grown, his wife moved with him to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Their family's doing their, their kids are doing their own things now, and I think he's really going to be focused on this, and he knows it's up to him to turn around because the success of North Carolina is going to be their defense. Yeah, and there there's another team that recruited well, but just hadn't quite developed those guys on that, on that side of the ball. Oh yeah, I mean, depending on who their quarterback is, I you know who I want to be. I the know quarterback. who you want to be the quarterback. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. <laughs> yes, they're gonna have a new one this year, and it's an inside joke between us about um, Luke May's brother. Mr. Fundamental Basketball Player's brother yeah. was a commitment to Alabama and yeah. then transferred. So, yeah. I mean, if if Nick Saban won, I don't, I don't think he's too shabby now. Yeah, I think he's, he's probably solid, but, I mean, what can you get out of him? Depends on what kind of shoes he's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his brother's shoes. Yeah, so I think Carolina, Carolina bees I think Carolina, if they're not buying into all the hype, and no, I don't, I don't think they'll come in with the same hype this year as they had last year. Yeah, so so Matt kind of kind of kind of cooled that down, and not only that, it shouldn't be hard for Matt to do. 
um, because you had two previous years where they came in, quarterback with Heisman height, all mm-hmm. these expectations, and all you got to do is point to the scoreboard. Oh, yeah, and of record. course. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Yeah, so the this is what happens when you buy into that stuff and you don't focus on what you need to be doing. Yeah, like finishing the game early in the in the game. Yeah. Then nothing aggravate me more than watching them. Because like I say, I'm a Matt Brown fan. Love Matt Brown to death. I'm a Tar Heel basketball fan, so I'll keep up with the football too. But my biggest thing was they never turned it on until the fourth quarter. Yeah. If you go back and you look the last two, three years under Matt Brown, yeah. probably 40% of their wins, if not more, came from fourth quarter comebacks. So they proved they had the talent and they could do it. Right. They just didn't do it until the fourth quarter for some reason. Now they do got a new quarterback and we'll see who the quarterback is. But returning back is probably the number one receiver in the whole conference, yeah. Josh Downs. Yeah. Josh Downs. Josh that man Downs. can ball. He can ball. He can yeah. ball. Now the the, the thing I so, saw with Josh, I mean, even watching him in the spring game, Josh he was targeted a lot. It seemed like he was the offense, which is good. But some of the other guys got to step up. Oh, yeah, of course. And they up. have that Antonio Green coming back, too. I yeah. think he's going to take a little bit of the load off, too. Yeah, because they're going to definitely they, – they're going to key on him. I mean, and if you're staring down that receiver, mm-hmm. you know, those safeties and linebackers are going to be reading you. What I worry about, can this new quarterback get the ball to Josh Downs? Well, this is the thing, though. It's undecided <laughs> who this dude is going to be. Course. We don't know yet. I Drake know who May. you want. You heard it here. I heard Drake that. May. Drake I May know who you want, but we don't know yet. <laughs> but that's a good thing, though. You got options. At competition. Definitely competition. Competition brings about greatness. And maybe that's what happened somewhat with Sam Howe last year, is he didn't really have nobody pushing him. You know? So mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I got the spot. And I think um, Sam Howe had a great year. I think he was a great quarterback. Yeah. I think it was, it was tough, though. I mean, just looking at numbers, yeah. But with the expectation. Oh, yeah. No, the expectation. And then they're talking the like what top five quarterback in the in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. You know, things of that nature. Yeah. Top five pick or so at one point. Yeah. First you know? round. So, so if you if you look at the productions versus that, it seems like, hey, you know, it's kind of a failure. Yeah, that's you know, true. Overhype. And a lot of expectation does also come from Mac Brown being a national championship coach. Yeah. Turning that Texas program around when he was there. So now, and then you look, and like you just said, the expectations at North Carolina this year, I think, is division championship or bust. Yeah, yeah. Up to that point. I think ACC is what they should be focusing on. But in that division, I think the the bar has been set so high for them. It has, which is good because you love expectation because expectation is what makes you great. But I think for North Carolina is if we don't win a division this year, then it's a bust. Yeah, because you—I mean—you still have to consider. You, what do we say, Miami, Virginia, Virginia? Virginia. I mean, a wide open division. Duke. No, well, well, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at also the division of the new head coaches coming in. So mm-hmm. Max, Max got some seniority and some time over these guys. Oh yeah, it's coming in. I mean, he actually might honestly be. I didn't look it up. I, we should. I wish we had talked before, but he, he's. I, I want to say he's probably the most tenured coach. Yeah, it's only division. it's only Mac Narduzzi and um, Jeff well, yeah, Collins. Yeah, Narduzzi's probably the most tenured one. Yeah, and Jeff is. Collins as far as the returning coaches. Yeah, but everyone else pretty much has a new head coach on that side. So, yeah, I mean between probably Miami and I'm mean, not Miami. I'm sorry, North Carolina and Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the returning coaches. Yeah, Matt, Matt can, if he can pull that one off, he should be able to, the team should be able to uh, kind of pull off that division. But, hey, we'll, we'll see. Oh, yeah. And and that shows, like we've talked in the past, it, a, a great coach who knows how to build a program can turn it around. Think about what North Carolina was when Larry Fedora left. It was pretty much on fire. They'd be lucky to win three four games, and then you get the right coach in there with the right game plan and how to build a team up and perform what he's done in the short period of time, win, lose, or draw. Yes, he's underachieved, but where he took that school from where they was when he got there to where they are now, I mean, having the pressure and expectations is a luxury. Because if you don't have the pressure, then that means you ain't worth it no good. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, there's 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 some teams that don't have as much pressure as been kind of successful. Yeah, you but know? then once you become successful, then comes the pressure. Yeah, depends. It depends if you're building up. It's, see, like if you hit hot early, mm-hmm. let's like, say you come in early and you win eleven games. Oh yeah, right. Out I the mean, jump. you said oh, that yeah, standard yeah, standards up there so high. Yeah, but if you come in, you <laughs> win seven. Yeah, and then we get a bowl game, and then you probably increase maybe eight or nine that next year. Yeah, they see progress going up, so the, exactly. the pressure's not on you too much. But you know, of course, yeah, Matt coming in with a with a with a name. Yep, that's a, the thing. Yeah, and a branded school championship type coach, previously coached there. Yeah, and and recruited well. <laughs> exactly, and he recruited well at Texas. And he's also recruiting where at North Carolina. Yeah, but anytime you come in there and you're recruiting in that top tier, mm-hmm. as far as recruits coming in as classes, expectations are high. Because they say, oh, well, your recruiting class was top 10 the last three years. Why ain't you top 10? There you go. You have top 10 kids. You should be a top 10 team. There you go. And, yeah, I mean, like I say, expectations, you got to embrace it, you yeah. know, because, I mean, it's better than being at another school like our next school. That we got here, Georgia Tech. Well, the expectation isn't that high. They went three and nine last year, and the only shining moment because they lost their top running back. He went to Alabama. Yeah. And they have that Jeff Sims coming back for his sophomore year, but that poor man. I mean, what kind of help and support does he have? It's a it's a bummer, and, and it's tough because you know head coach is on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. So how how is he coaching? It, you know, it's affecting the recruiting. Oh, yeah. Because now the recruits don't know if he's going to be there. You know, they're hearing probably different things from different people, different sites, hearing things from uh, other schools that's recruiting against them. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you go there and this guy right here may not even be there. Exactly. You know, so it's it's definitely affecting recruiting by the way they're playing. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really tough, you know, because do you really think that he's going to turn around this year? No. And what I, yeah. what blows my mind is Georgia Tech being in the Atlanta area, and there's so much talent around there. I've Correct. never, I just, I cannot wrap my mind about how these schools in these major metropolitan uh-huh. areas uh-huh. empower five. I could see if Georgia Tech was a group of five school, and it's like, well, yeah, you know, you can't compete for the playoff or a national championship or none of that. So you go to a group of five, but this is a power five school mm-hmm. in a major metropolitan area that produces great athletes and great kids. Mm-hmm. And nobody has been able to tap into this since the late 80s, early 90s, but, when Georgia Tech but, was relevant. That has a lot to do with, it's a whole, but who they hire as a head coach. Yeah. Because, I mean, because you got to consider now, Miami's in a hotbed. But Miami hadn't been recruiting like the team that lives in the hotbed. Oh, yeah. No, of course not. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there's there's been, of course, you had the previous coaches, the Jimmys and the guys that follows the Butches and Erickson and stuff. They were able to kind of keep guys there. Yeah. You know, but, you know, there was a fall off afterwards. And then there were some coaches that wasn't able to keep that talent there. Mm-hmm. Now you have a guy like Cristobal that's back now that possibly can keep that talent there. Exactly. You know, so I think Georgia Tech is in a similar situation. So what is Joe Hamilton doing right now? Because <laughs> he needs to come back and be the head coach at Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, Tech. I'm just saying. I mean, right now, it's, it's a head scratcher. You know what I'm saying? But it, it, it takes, it, it's going to take that administration and that, that, that athletic department to say, hey, we're going to go out and not just get a coach. Yeah. You know, and just choose a guy. Because, I mean, me personally, I've kind of followed Jeff Collins' career. And mm-hmm. I mean, it just by following his career, it would have been a red flag to say, "Why are you hiring?" Well, I'm just he saying. was available. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but he was also there was other coaches available around the same time. Oh yeah. I mean, if course. you just want to just immediately, if you like I said, I'm not saying that the fan base. I know the fan base not. Yeah. Nobody wants to say we just want enough to make a bowl game, be competitive every now and then. No, the fan base is expectation just as high as anybody else's fan base. Oh yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? So. My my whole thing would be okay. What do we want to do? Of course, everybody wants to battle for championships. Mm-hmm. So you got to go out and get a championship type coach. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now Jeff Collins has been on some teams. Like I said, I follow him. I won't stay too much on him. 
I'm not beating him up or anything. It's just I'm follow. I followed his career, and I remember him at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. and then him saying, him saying that we play a bend but don't break defense. Oh, and uh, I think that's a bad way. Yeah. yeah, meaning, meaning I, I'm going to let you in the red zone scoring type area. Yeah, but I'm not going to break and let you get in this end zone. Yeah, and I you don't know that don't that. No, no. Because yeah. if you're going to get three points every time you touch the ball, you're going to get 12 possessions a game. That's 36 points. So I'm yeah. at least giving up. Yeah. So but I don't. Offense, it can't average more than 12. I can't hire someone that that's thinking that way. Exactly. You know, as a head coach, because now you you you're setting the president to to your team saying, okay, we we're gonna bend, but we're not gonna break. <laughs> so it's okay to bend. Yeah, like, it's no, all right. No, no, Let no, me no. get down the red zone. No, no, no. It was similar at Florida. I mean, it was it was kind of do the same thing, you know. And of course, because he coached at those schools and he's gotten that brand name recognition, and the teams were subpar successful. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, he he's tied to that team. Let's go get him. Yeah, but it wasn't him. No, of course. <laughs> you know, so you got to be able to see through that when you're hiring a head coach. So, you, you know, your next head coach, you want a guy that's familiar with recruiting in that area. Mm-hmm. And and actually a great recruiter and recruiting is a, a top priority. Oh, yeah. For the guy, because, I mean, it would just be me. If I'm searching for a head coach, I'm checking him and checking his best re- recruits that he's brought in. Oh yeah, and the type of recruits you got in. Can you recruit this state? Can you mm-hmm. recruit against the best? And that you know, and that would kind of help you <laughs> narrow down who you want to bring into that program. So do you think to get Georgia Tech back on top, they should probably pull a coach maybe from the University of Georgia and try to try to pull them away from there to promote them as a head coach? That's an option, but I mean, also you had a guy at the same time as far as hiring when he was probably at Colorado State or Colorado. Mm-hmm. Was Mel Tucker was familiar with the oh yeah the area yeah. you know what I'm saying it doesn't have to you know be from Georgia or from that program or even him and Mike Bobo yeah you just need somebody who's familiar you know recruiting that area yeah. that base and know how to build that team yeah I think that's going to be a big challenge for Georgia Tech moving forward mm-hmm. is like it's, like we talk about Atlanta is such a talent rich metroplex big time and Georgia Tech is right in the heart of it. And they're underperforming. Honestly, I mean, yeah, top yeah. to bottom. But that's but that's what I'm saying. What is as far as administration? I'm not saying fan base. I know fan base. Is, you know, it's, it's up here. Oh, every fan it's base. We're gonna win. We're gonna that's win it. a chip every year. That's it. Yeah. But administration wise, it's like, mm-hmm. dude, what what are your expectations? I mean, because you gotta go get you know somebody who has expe- high expectations. Yeah, and this is this is the crazy part about this whole thing. Because when you, I guess, when administrations or whatever interviewing a guy, you you can't be suckered into a good interview. No, no. Some guys no. are good interviewers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, they can sell they can sell the farm to you. Correct. And not be able to do a damn thing. That's it. That's <laughs> it. I, I don't want just a good interviewer. Mm-hmm. What's your plan? Show me how you're gonna achieve that plan. So with our last team in the division, we got Duke. 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 Bring the right dude in there. I mean, Cutcliffe showed that you can be competitive. Yeah, that is you true. Can be, you can play spoiler. Yeah. I mean, here's a tidbit <laughs> for everybody who who doesn't know too much about Duke football. I know a lot about their basketball team that I don't care for. But <laughs> on the football side, did you know that Duke has won the most conference titles of any school in the ACC? They've won 18 conference titles. Now, granted, they won 11 when they were the Southern Conference. But if I told you that Duke has won seven ACC titles, I don't think nobody would believe that. Well, if if you kind of know, I'm thinking now, if you kind of know the history, they did have Spurrier there for a little while. Yeah, they had Spurrier. They had Cutcliffe. Mm-hmm. During Cutcliffe's time, he was there for 14 years. He went six bowl games. They went three and three. Gotcha. The 123 years prior, <laughs> which yeah. is a long time. Yeah. They have been to eight bowl games. And David Cutcliffe, I think, at first, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, he was the OC with Peyton or whatever, and then he worked with Eli, and, you know, I thought he was like, oh, he's just kind of riding this Manning name or whatever. And then I looked more into him, and I've been a Cutcliffe fan for years. And I was like, man, I'm like, that guy right there is just a great overall coach, you know? I mean, 2013, he won 10 games at Duke. Mm-hmm. 
2014, he turned around and won nine games. Mm-hmm. And in 2017, he won a bowl game over Northern Illinois, but he won a bowl game. And now Cutcliffe, he's a special advisor for the SEC now. Mm-hmm. He is, which I think is great. I know he's going to move the team and the sport forward at all times because he's a great person. When he was ranked in 2013, they won 10 games. They finished the regular season ranked 23rd. And they did have the win over Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M in that game. But they end up coming back and beating them. Mm-hmm. And they finished ranked 23rd. And that was the first time since 1962 Blue Devils have been ranked in football. So they got Mike Elko. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to do pretty solid. Me personally, like you said, Cutcliffe won there. Cutcliffe showed that, hey... You, you need a guy that knows how to develop. Is Mike Elko the guy that can develop a quarterback? or And I know you got to win on defense, and he's a great defensive quarterback. He's a D guy, yeah, yeah, he's a D guy. But in the same sense, at a small school, school like that, you need offense. You need to develop a quarterback. You need the playmakers. Is that something that you think Mike Elko can do at Duke, or is this just a, a skipping stone to the next big job, or is this – Hey, congratulations! You was the head coach. Now we're gonna fire well, you. Like this the rest is the thing, of them. though, and, and and not like a lot of schools. Of course, you you also got to mention that Duke, you can't just normally recruit like other schools would recruit because of the standard to get into. Oh yeah, of okay. course they now, they granted, give all the special benefits to the basketball team. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so they'll be able to still get kids in that. But this is the thing, though, with the landscape now. Mm-hmm. Of the portal, guys not want to sit, but you don't want to. You don't want to rely on the portal too much because you do want to be able to draft a guy, I will recruit a guy, and develop him through your system. Oh yeah, you know. But granted, with him coming in, probably short term, portals are option. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the quickest way to build yeah. it up there. Yeah, portals are option, but it's, and then once you get through that portal part now. Can you sustain it? What next two couple years? Mm-hmm. There's no limit now as far as the guys that you can bring in. Yeah, of course. You so just, whatever you need to do just to get your roster up to the to the to the number. Yeah, and that's the whole key now: getting them in there and sustaining it. Now, granted, um, probably I don't know if you know he'll probably go after because I mean most of these kids right now at Texas and them they keep bringing these classes in like this. They every everybody's gonna face attrition. Oh yeah, he's familiar course. with a lot of those kids over there mm-hmm. and pr- recruiting them. Yeah, you know, maybe so, some of those kids who don't get an opportunity might go to Duke. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's and that's an option. Yeah, you I know, mean, you can part time school. That's what they got um, <laughs> assistance for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's an option. So the landscape's different now in building teams like it was before. Yeah, I so, mean, those trainers, I mean, they're there to be doctors. You're there to be a football player. So if you need some help, they just, you say, hey, um, I think the answer to number five is C. And they say, are you sure about that? B looks really great. You know what? I think I'm going to go with B. Correct. <laughs> all right. Next question. But that's a whole nother dig in deep. Right. So, but yeah, so that's all the teams that we got wrapped up in the ACC division right there that we was going over. So now we just got a handful of games we're going to look at to look forward to this upcoming year. The first game that I was looking at is Miami at Clemson. It's actually the game before Miami plays Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. How big of a game is that going to be being the second from last game of the year? Interesting. It's going. I think it's going to be big, and it gives both teams time. One, Crystal Ball, his staff, and still in their game plan with their players. Pitt making the adjustment without some of their top players. Yeah, you know, so you get some stuff under your belt. I think, as far as that side, I think it's going to be huge because, like I said, you you have two of the top veteran coaches right now that's still in that conference or on that in that division is Mac and Narduzzi. Versus, you know, you got the new kids on the block trying to establish their programs. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a lot of hype around Miami right now, you know. So I think I, th- I think they're going to be pretty solid with the staff that they have, kind of keep them gra- grounded. But there again, Miami or Pitt can't really slip early. No, and then they actually play each other the last game. Could yeah. that be the game maybe that decides the division? Yeah. We'll see Miami plays Clemson. Yeah, the week before. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. What about Pitt? Pitt they doesn't don't play, play Clemson, Clemson, so that no. can be that can be a, be a, big a game changer. Opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it just kind of 
you know, see if who can establish what. And oh, Pitt, yeah. Pitt's, you know, like I said, they're, they're more grounded and rooted. They've been there with their coach through the battles the last couple of years. So, Yeah, and I think one of the bigger games, too, earlier in the year, October 8th, would be actually North Carolina at Miami. Yeah. Last time North Carolina went to Miami, I want to say they ran for almost 500 yards. Now, yeah. granted, that was a Manny Diaz defense. Right. So... Who knows what it will be with Cristobal and Kevin Steele and all that. I don't think they'll have that same success as they had. But I think that game, on my end, I think it's going to be probably the one that decides the outcome. Mm-hmm. And then on September 10th, we got North Carolina going to App State, a Sun Belt team. And North Carolina at the moment is only ranked as a three-point favorite. How a Power 5 school... Uh, I like it, and I'll watch it, but how does a Power 5 school agree to go on the road to a lower-level group of five school, a higher-tier group of five school like App State? Yeah. I don't think they have nothing to gain from that. No, no. They don't. But who's who's not to say? Mac is old school. Not saying this was all Mac's idea, mm-hmm. but he's old school. We'll play anybody, anytime, anywhere. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> you know, he old school cat. Yep. And then another game that ends the year is North Carolina State at North Carolina. And that that's going to be big, too. See, that's what I'm saying. Scheduling playing a big part right now in this division because, you know, you got Miami, NC State, which can take hits with some cross-rival games. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, and granted, most people probably don't think it's a big game, but Miami's plays Florida State also, exactly. which is normally a close game. Yep. You know, that they can probably drop. Even though that's not a division division game, mm-hmm. but still a conference game. Oh yeah. That of can course. hinder you. So those are a couple of games that we're gonna look at and look forward to this upcoming season in the coastal division. Now we'll go through our predictions. And on the coastal side, as we was talking about earlier, Matt Brown this year. I think this year he got Gene Chiswick I think he's going to get that defense turned around. I think Matt Brown is going to win the Coastal Division. Then second will be Miami. I think Cristobal is really going to do really well this year, followed by Pitt. I know they'll have a little a little fall off, but they do got a top quarterback coming in. I think that'll help Virginia, three-year starter, and I think they're going to have a decent year, followed by Virginia Tech, still one of the hardest places to win. Then next, Georgia Tech, and I still see Duke sitting at the bottom. Taz, how do you see the Coastal breaking right. down? Uh, similar, but I'm going with Miami first. I think Miami is going to win win that conference. I think um, with the new energy, recruiting players, coaches coming in there, I think uh, Miami will probably take that next step. They, they ended they ended pretty pretty strong quarterback play. Ended mm-hmm. pretty strong, so I think coming into the year, it'll probably start hot. Pitt, I think Pitt pretty established team even though they got some pieces they got to replace i think Pitt will probably end up at number two then i go probably virginia number three take one of the other new coaches that elliot uh to come in and probably get things established with them and i got mac mac man disappointed me the last couple of years <laughs> me too you know, you know <laughs> granted granted i you know i like what i saw in the spring game but there again it's the spring game and then knowing Chiswick will probably come and stabilize that defense. So I'm going with them at four, followed by Virginia Tech. Pry, I think he's probably going to play things safe, play good defense, run the ball, win some games, kind of keep it close. And then I'll go with uh, Georgia Tech, which is still a question mark there for me. I, I do like Jeff Sims, though. I think he's pretty solid. If you can get decent quarterback play, you can probably pull out a couple wins, you know. And then followed by Duke um, coming in last, but I wouldn't be surprised if Duke overtake Georgia Tech. That's a that's a good that's a good yeah. that's a good thing to look yeah. at right there to follow this year. Yeah. All right. So my ACC championship game would be as you heard from the last episode. I picked NC State to win the Atlantic Division, and I got North Carolina winning the Coastal. But still, as much as I love Mac Brown, and that's my man, but. NC State, I don't know. I, this this seems like that's this is their year. Taz, who you got in the ACC championship? I, I went with NC State over over definitely over um, Wake and Clemson. 
I think that that team's yeah, man. They I think they're a lot deeper this year. Pressed by what they're bringing back, how they played spring game, developing guys over the over the the, the, the previous year, and then I got Miami from the uh, from the other side there, and I think uh, Miami will do do enough just to kind of win that conference, and I'm taking NC State over Miami. Taz, a surprise team. Heard it here first. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking <laughs> NC State. I think. I think the Wolfpack's gonna take this year. I do too. I, I yeah. think they got. They got extra motivation, especially after last year when their bowl game gets canceled an hour before kickoff. I mean, I, I, they have that extra motivation this year. They got their quarterback coming back. Their head coach is building a solid, solid team. And I think they got that extra little oomph in them to say, you know what? We're fixing to show these people what we're really, really about. So we're almost done with our show, but we want to go ahead and touch on who we think our offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and freshman of the year is going to be this upcoming season. Um, my offensive player of the year this year, I think it's going to be that Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback from Miami. That's the one you touched on earlier. Live experience, he was coming on. They're late on the year, and I think he's going to come out and have a really great year with a full system, new offensive coordinator, and I think he's really going to light it up. He's very athletic. And then defensive player of the year, I got that Keytrail Clark DB from Louisville. He tore his ACL last year, but if he can play a full solid year this year, I think he's going to have a very, very solid year. He could be that lockdown corner that Louisville really, really needs. And my freshman of the year would be Kamari Rogers. He's a DB out of Miami. And come in, highly recruited, highly touted. He has Kevin Still as his DC this year. And if he can get that kid's fundamentals down, that could be another lockdown corner to watch out for in the ACC. So, Taz, who are your offensive, defensive, and freshman of the years? All right. Uh, I had a couple options at offensive player of the year, but I'm going to go with Devin Leary for NC State. I think, um, one, because um, I was looking at Downs also receiver for uh, North Carolina, but I think Leary's going to have definitely not think, no, he's going to have the ball in the hand a little more than Downs will. A little even, bit. Even though Downs going to be key. He's going to be keyed a lot, and then and probably do some return stuff also. But you got to take a quarterback that's got a solid team around and good defense, going to have the ball in his hand more. I'm going with Devin Leary. Uh, Defense-wise, probably I'm going with Caleb Johnson, transfer from UCLA, linebacker. For Miami, I think Miami's gonna bring a different defense this year. A lot of transfer in, a lot of vets back this year. Good recruits, good recruits, man. And they look some depth, got some dudes up front, kind of keep them lining off of them. I think Caleb Johnson be able to roam a little bit. And then my uh, freshman, I'm going with George Petaway, running back for North Carolina. I think because Mac loves to run the ball. Mm-hmm. He loves to run the ball, and he's gonna have a lot of opportunity. He'll run. Two, three backs, easy. So he'll get some touches in there, and uh, we know what we can what can happen if uh, you know that run game gets going. Max stick with it; they run it, they score a lot. Oh yeah, that was, that was one of his key things. Even when he had a quarterback like Sam Howell, their mm-hmm. top two running backs was averaging over a thousand yards. Right. So that right there will pretty much wrap up wrap up our ACC Coastal Division preview show. Taz, you got anything you want to add to the end of the episode today? Uh, just to piggyback, man, uh, just for the fans out there listening, man, we appreciate you guys for the likes and the listening, the downloads, the following, man. We we do this, um, you know, man, and you guys give us energy. They kind of keep moving. So you guys be safe out there, man. Be careful. We'd love to hear from you, man. Hit us with those likes. Hit us with those questions. We can address them. And uh, you guys enjoy your weekend. Yes, sir. Everybody have a great Sunday. It was good. Make sure to check us out next week. Taz, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we jumping into the Big Ten play. Ooh, Big Ten preview. Yeah, yeah. A lot of interesting stuff right there. Um, arguably, I guess we would say, they even said, probably second best conference in the nation. Yeah, second best conference. And yeah. we'll we'll touch on that. Ryan Day saying, give me $13 million. I, I need to pay these yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably still get some disagreements, though, you know, because they'll, they'll, they'll throw their probably top four out there, five out there, and say, hey, we can match any, any league out there. But things about to get interesting in 25. Oh, yeah, they'll probably have that TV deal signed by then, too, by the time we touch on it. So we got a lot to talk about next week. I hope you all enjoyed this episode like the rest of them. 
Like Taz said, be sure to like it, download it, you know, shoot us questions, anything y'all want to hear, just let us know. And um, have a great weekend and have a nice Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Peace.